Welcome back to another episode of Ramiumptum Ruminations. I'm the host, Scott. Today's episode is called Dust Off Your Feet. Thanks so much for stopping by to listen. Now I'll do the shameless self-plug right off the outset. Like I said, a few episodes back, I'll, I'll only do this once or twice a month. But if this podcast is something that you enjoy, if this content is helpful to you and entertaining, please consider becoming a monthly recurring donor to the podcast. You can... If you go to ramiumptumruminations.org, you can see right there on the right-hand side of the website, there's a spot for both one-time and monthly recurring donations. Anything that you can give is greatly appreciated. To start this off, I'm going to do a little test. I have a troll, and he goes by just the letter Z. And I I think I've mentioned a comment of his in the past. If not, I'll cite it again here because I just think it's so entertaining. I love interacting with trolls. I take it as a challenge to respond to them in the least expected way possible. Now, this comment here that I'm going to read is from an episode back in October or November This is after a few weeks of him commenting and citing different things. He said, Tell the world, sounded in the ears, that they are persecuting a people to whose God they will have to pay every debt they contract. They will be brought into judgment for every act against this kingdom. This is the kingdom of God. These are the people of God, as are all who receive the truth and follow its principles. And then he cited it as Brigham Young. And my response to him was, This is fun. You rebuke me with the scriptures, and I look for the citation. This condemnation comes from the Journal of Discourses, Volume 8, page 194. It's from a talk given at the Tabernacle on October 7th, 1860. Now, this this particular listener or troll, I don't honestly, I don't know if he listens or not. So the reason I'm I'm dedicating a little bit of this episode to it is because I want to know if he's actually listening to what I'm saying or if he's just jumping on and condemning me. Regardless, he came back on in my last episode and he posted this. It's a short one. He said, Thrive. Terrorize heterosexual religious institutions virtually and electronically. When he made this comment, a few months had passed since the last time he said anything. And I said, you haven't condemned me for months. I started to worry that you'd never cite an obscure quote damning me ever again. I hope all is well for you. (laughs) Now, the 
the inspiration or the the guidance that I use for this sort of a, a behavior with trolls uh, comes from my studies of stoicism. Now I'm going to read a, a quick quote from the handbook by Epictetus. And it says, when someone acts badly towards you or speaks badly of you, Remember that he is acting or speaking in that way because he, re he regards that as being the proper thing for him to do. Now, it isn't possible for him to act in accordance with what seems right to you, but only with what seems right to him. So if he judges wrongly, he is the one who suffers the harm, since he is the one who has been deceived. For if anyone should think a true... Com composite judgment to be false, the judgment itself isn't harmed, but the person who has been deceived. If you start out, then from this way of thinking, you'll be gentle with someone who abuses you, for in each case you'll say, that is how it seems to him. That is the, the viewpoint that I take when trolls interact with me. This is what they think. This is what they believe. This is how they feel. And just because I think or feel or believe a different way doesn't mean that they will operate based on my knowledge or my opinions. When people treat me this way, condemn me and otherwise, it's great practice of centering myself, recognizing that this person, Z, if you're out there listening, you're a human being too just like me, and we have so much more in common than our differences. And these commonalities should bind us as a society rather than split us apart because one person thinks one thing and the other person disagrees. So, Z, I have no hard feelings for you. As I was interacting with him... Uh, and commenting and thinking about it because I overthink everything. It got me thinking about an experience from my mission and a doctrine that is part of the church. It's not actively discussed very much, but it's in the Doctrine and Covenants and it's in the New Testament and it's this cursing of the dusting of our feet. <laughs> so I'll tell a quick story and then let's discuss a little bit about this ritual cursing that's part of the doctrine. I served in Chile from 2006 to 2008 and at this point in time it was very late in my mission and I was the zone leader at the time working with another missionary. The family that they were teaching had suddenly changed their mind about baptism. And this elder brought me in because he wanted some help talking to this family. So we go when we're chatting with this family. The conversation started out very cordial and friendly, but quickly turned sour. And I didn't, I didn't like that. I mean, yeah, I argued and debated plenty of times on my mission, but something about this just felt wrong. And as we were discussing, I just told the elders, like, look, let's go. This is what, this is their decision. Let's get out of here. So as we were walking out the door, 
this this elder is just irate. He is just fuming because these people would not see, would not believe the things he was telling them to see and believe. So as we're standing on their porch, he rubs both of his feet on their doorstep to dust them off and curse them. And I stopped him right there in the street and I looked at him and I said, could you stand before God and tell them that they deserve to go to outer darkness? And he looked back at me and he didn't really have a good answer. At the time, I believed it was something that, that as a missionary, we could do. And, you know, everybody's heard of the urban legends of the different stories of, you know, some missionary dusting their feet off and some horrible thing happening to the person or their business or their family because they dusted their feet off. I said to this elder, I said, if I truly love these people and want the best for them, how could I ever write them off and damn them? If I love them, I would give them as many chances as it takes. The elder didn't listen. He was still frustrated and uh, <laughs> upset that, uh, that he wasn't going to get a baptism that weekend. This experience of seeing seeing this elder condemning this family and dusting off his feet altered the way I view people in a very dramatic way. Now, I don't hold the same beliefs that I did at that time. So some of these things that I'm saying are from my views at that time period. I, I stopped looking at the afterlife the same way because I had rationalized in that moment. And then after later much thinking that a loving parent couldn't condemn anyone, period. That isn't to say that there wouldn't be punishments, and I you know, rationalized a lot of those things too, but in my mind, a loving God could not damn anyone, ever. No matter how horrible they were, he teaches forgiveness and loving and accepting and repentance how could apart from the major sins how could anything damn someone's soul forever <laughs> that was what i had rationalized about the afterlife after that experience but i want to talk about this ritual dusting off of the feet a little bit more because i think it's fascinating it's a belief in the church but it isn't discussed very openly this idea is discussed in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. In Matthew 10, verse 11 through 15. I'm not going to read it, but if you're curious, go and, go and check it out. Matthew 10, 11 through 15. Mark 6, verses 10 and 11. And Luke 9, verses 4, through five, 4 and 5. It's talked about in some other places, but those are just a few of the citations. Now, the, the instruction in the New Testament in all of these examples is the apostles were instructed to dust off their feet if they, if they were not received or if their message was not received. And then it's explained that the people who received this, this ritual cursing dusting off of the feet and this is matthew 10 15 it says verily i say unto you this is the king james because i haven't cited king james for a minute verily i say unto you it shall be 
more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. And this, and in this specific example that you're talking about dusting off the feet for an entire city. Now, the same instruction is in Doctrine and Covenants 2415. It says very similar words to what's in the New Testament. It says, And in whatsoever place you shall enter, and they receive you not in my name, ye shall leave a cursing instead of a blessing. By casting off the dust of your feet as a testimony against them, and cleansing your feet by the wayside. There are three other um, mentions that I know of in the Doctrine and Covenants about this as well. Um, notably in Doctrine and Covenants 75, 19, and 22, it specifically says that the it shall be more tolerable for the heathen in the day of judgment than for that house. And he's referring to the people that didn't receive the gospel of Christ. Now I'm going to read one more thing about this from the early church, because this is something that the listeners might not be familiar with. This is from a letter of Joseph Smith. It's called Letter to the Elders of the Church from a publication called Messenger and Advocate from 1835. It's been published a couple of times, but this section in, in uh, modern books about Joseph Smith, but this particular Peace is left out, but it can be found in the Donald Q. Cannon and Larry Dahl Encyclopedia of Joseph Smith's Teachings. Here's the citation because he's talking about this specific ritual and he gives, he gives a bit more detail on what they were instructed to do. It should be the duty of elders when they enter into any house to let their labors and warning voice be unto the master of that house and if he receive the gospel, then he may extend his influence to his wife also with consent that peradventure she may receive the gospel. But if a man receive not the gospel, but gives his consent that his wife may receive it and she believes, then let her receive it. But if a man forbid his wife or his children before they are of age to receive the gospel, then it should be the duty of the elder to go his way and use no influence against him and let the responsibility be upon his head. Shake off the dust of thy feet as a testimony against him, and thy skirts shall be, shall then be clear of their souls. Their sins are not to be answered upon, such as God hath sent to warn them to flee the wrath to come and save themselves from this untoward generation. It should be the duty of an elder when he enters into a house to salute the master of that house, and if he gain his consent, then he may preach to all that are in the house. But if he gain not his consent, let him go not unto his slaves or servants, but let the responsibility be upon the head of the master of that house, and the consequences thereof, and the guilt of that house is no longer upon thy skirts. Thou art free, therefore, shake off the dust of thy feet, and go thy way. So according to this teaching of Joseph Smith here, I was in the wrong as a missionary, instructing the district leader not to dust off his feet when he left the house. This instruction is very clear. Now, there's a, there's a couple of things that, that we can infer based on what he was saying. And I think, I think they're interesting to think about. He mentions multiple times 
that the guilt of that house will no longer be on thy skirt. According to Joseph Smith here, the members of the church are held responsible for the people that they are supposed to teach. The salvation of other people is their responsibility, and they will be punished if they don't live up to that responsibility. It says the guilt of, of that house is no longer upon thy skirts. If you don't dust off th- your feet when you leave someone that rejects you, would the opposite be true? That's where, that's where I'm making this connection. If you don't dust off your feet, is the guilt of that house on your skirts? So the instruction is pretty clear that the members are held responsible for the salvation of their fellow man. And if they don't live up to that, they will be held accountable for it. Missionaries are instructed to leave a curse upon those that do not receive them. Again, I will ask the question. Now, I'm, I myself am not a believer, but I'm going to put on my believer's thinking cap for a minute. Would a loving God curse any of his children? Is this idea of a ritual cursing congruous with a loving God? Are those two concepts that can even go together? I bring this up. I bring this subject up to highlight something that's very interesting to me about the church. There are so many doctrines that have fallen by the wayside that aren't actively discussed today. When they give general conference addresses, they don't mention ritual cursings. They focus on some of these softer doctrines. Repentance, forgiveness, love, Jesus, and prophets. Don't forget the prophet. But we have almost two centuries now of discourses from prophets. And I mentioned last week that there's no univocality from one prophet to the next. So we have these these relics, if you will, of past teachings that are no longer endorsed, but they have never been actively condemned or denied or retracted. And so you have people like this missionary companion of mine who had read these things and believed that it was his responsibility to dust off his feet. And then you have me. I was also very familiar with this ritual cursing, but it made me very uncomfortable This relationship right here between this obscure doctrine and individual interpretations goes back to this idea that we talked about clear back in one of the first episodes about cafeteria Mormonism. Since the prophets do not ever go back and retract anything that a previous prophet has said, no matter how heinous, members are instructed to read and study the words of the prophets because that's where the members are supposed to find truth. What if those messages of the prophets are racist, homophobic, misogynistic? What is the member of the church supposed to do when they encounter those, that sort of material? Or in this situation, what if an elder encounters this, this doctrine of the cursing and decides that he's supposed to curse every person that he teaches that does not receive him? Last week we discussed the remarks by Sister Wendy Nelson, the instruction to put an exclamation mark behind the words of the prophets 
So let's do that there. Let's, let's take this concept of Joseph Smith to curse everyone that does not receive you and put an exclamation mark behind it. What I'm highlighting here is that there are antiquated beliefs that are no longer actively taught that are harmful. What needs to be done is the church needs to apologize for many things and it needs to openly acknowledge that the past prophets have taught some pretty harmful doctrines. That would be a healthy way of addressing this sort of a situation. But that'll never happen in my lifetime. (laughs) Maybe it will, who knows. But I really doubt it. So let's go back and discuss this idea that I presented very briefly. I wanted to, to circle back to it. How could a loving God condemn any of his children? So let me dive a little bit into this and to this contradiction of a loving God with sin and suffering in this world. If God possesses ultimate power and insight, then he created this world with suffering and sin and hardships and trials. He created it this way with the idea that, that we need to suffer for some higher purpose, to gain a body, but also to suffer all sorts of different issues and problems while we live here on this earth. We could list any sort of heinous thing that's happened to someone that we know personally or from the news and ask ourselves, would a loving God permit that? And in this case, I'm saying, would a loving God create a system where his children could harm each other? Would a loving God create a system where his children wouldn't be saved? He's God. Wouldn't he be able to create the rules? Then a counterargument, you could say something along the lines of God would want to limit the suffering or create as little suffering as possible. And this is that version of reality with as little suffering as possible, with as little condemnation as possible. But since God made the rules... And these rules are in place where they do condemn people. Couldn't he or she have created a system that doesn't condemn people? Created an environment where this sort of suffering doesn't exist? What is stopping God from changing what is considered sinful to being good? Or what is be- what good to being sinful? Would a change like that reduce suffering or change the amount of people that are condemned? If God lifted this ban on drinking coffee and tea, would more people enter into the celestial kingdom? And wouldn't that be a good thing? The conclusion that I make in a situation like this is if God did create this system the way that it is, the way I reason it is, he must not want to save all of his kids. He created a system where they, where many of them will not be saved. And that's what he wants. So the conclusion is, is that he doesn't want to reduce suffering. Maybe I'm overthinking this. <laughs> I don't bring up that sort of a thing to discourage those listeners that I have that do believe in God. I think that they are very valid questions that someone who does believe needs to grapple with in order to come to a better definition of what deity looks like. Because the reality of the world that we live in does not match many of the teachings that 
the church shares about God. There are so many contradictions. In fact, I could dedicate multiple episodes into talking about them. That doesn't mean he or she doesn't exist. It just means that the understanding and the teachings of the church do not always add up. I am of the stance that God, that she could exist. But if she does, she doesn't look anything like anything that I've been presented with yet. And that's, that's kind of where I am right now. Who knows if I'll be there in another 10 years. Maybe I'll have changed my mind and, and disagree with everything that I'm saying right now. Or maybe not. But that's part of the journey. I oftentimes have this, this is a random thought, and I apologize. <laughs> I oftentimes have this idea in my head, if I could sit in a room with different versions of myself, sitting in a circle with seven different versions of me, a 15-year-old Scott, 25-year-old, 35-year-old, 45-year-old, 55, 65, 75, 85. Who knows if that one will be around, but <laughs> sitting in a room with different versions of myself, what would I tell the younger version of me? What would the older version of me look like? What would the 55-year-old version want to say to the 45-year-old version or the 75 to the 65? I know it's such a weird thought, but I would love if I could do that, not in a way to, to see my future, but as a way to, to almost take a snapshot in time of these different distinct versions of me, what would that interaction look like? Sorry, I'm, I've gone off on a tangent, but I think about the strangest things all day long. And there you go. You got one of them. <laughs> if you're still listening, Z, there's a callback to the beginning of the episode. I appreciate you sticking through it. If you're not here, maybe you'll listen to the next one. I have an inkling, though, that you don't listen and that you just, you just leave a comment or two and then head on your way. For everybody else that made it to the end, thank you so much for listening today. You guys are great. I love interacting with you on the various social media platforms, Facebook, YouTube, you know, wherever you're sending comments my way. I got a comment just yesterday from a listener that was an awesome idea for an episode, but it's the scope of it is pretty big. So I've got to think of how to, how to present it. Um, I read everybody's comments. I love them. You guys are awesome. As I said at the outset, this is a service that I'm doing for free. But if this content is something that you enjoy, please consider going to the ramiumptumruminations.org website and becoming a monthly donor. Whatever you can afford. And if you can't afford anything, shoot me a comment. Tell me that you like me or that you don't. <laughs> I can't control your opinion. So now if you're doing dishes or driving on the road eating a sandwich, listening to the podcast, wherever you find yourself right now. Live in the moment, and I hope that you have an excellent day. Mm -hmm.